Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Abedisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Abedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, or one part rational mind, add two drops of optimism. Give it all a good hard shake and pour. Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Thanks for joining us for another round of Cosmic Cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's deeply divided, dichotomous little world. And we try to do this objectively, putting aside preconceived notions and assumptions rising above the contradictory rhetoric of partisan politics. Our goal is to let the spirit inhabit the human, to see the world from a higher vantage point, to let our higher selves guide our human selves. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore the dysfunction in our world. It doesn't mean we sit on a nice fluffy cushion all day long chanting bong bong billabong dong dong bing bong wollongong ding dong bong bong, you know, projecting love beams in all directions while refusing to accept and engage with the experience of our co-creation. No, it doesn't mean that. You know, all you peeps out there who think that meditation and only meditation is the key to perceptual shift. Well, I have to ask, how has it worked for you thus far? Have you solved all the problems of our world yet? Do we still have hunger? Do we still murder each other in wars? Is the private citizen still taxed illegally beyond their means while corporations hide obscene amounts of wealth in offshore accounts? And is the dissemination of information still controlled by a small handful of paymasters who flavor the news red or blue or whatever color on any given day as it suits them. No, we haven't sorted all that out. Are we still dealing with those and many other issues? I think we are. Well then, peeps, I suggest we get up off our lazy indoctrinated asses and do something about it. And we can make a start right here on the Metaphysical Martini Show by answering your questions. Halting the campaign to erode our intellect, also known as political correctness, and we should start talking about the things that truly matter for the expansion of our consciousness and for the betterment of mankind. This show exists primarily to encourage we the people to connect the dots, to see through Deep State's relentless campaign of perceptual engineering, to remind each other how to debate sensitive topics with respect and with cool heads, and with a goodly smidgen of humor. You know, the purpose of open discussion is to expand consciousness for the betterment of aforementioned mankind. It's to explore new ideas. It's not, as people seem to think it is, a contest to be won. It is an arena for collective growth. And that won't happen 
until we release the need to be right and always have the last word. Every day, I have to say, pretty much every day, I have to do stuff on social media, you know, because I have a business. Otherwise, I wouldn't touch it. And every day I go onto social media, various platforms, and I read things along the lines of, this is huge. Democrats wipe the floor with Republicans. Or alternatively, this is huge. Republicans wipe the floor with Democrats. The only huge thing I see is ignorance, liberally dusted with an unhealthy sprinkling of arrogance. Trump, NATO this, blah, 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 blah. Pelosi, climate change that, blah, 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 blah. Children in cages, blah, 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 blah. This happened in this country, blah, blah, blah. This happened in that country, blah, blah, blah. Boris Johnson, this, blah, 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 blah. Rhubarb, 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 rhubarb. And people swear up and down, you know. Oh, no, Arnie, I am not a victim of media manipulation. My mind is my own. Really? Well, how interesting is it then to find that a good 90% of social media posts Mirror verbatim that day's mainstream news feeds, colored red or blue or purple, as per their paymaster's directions. So, peeps, here's my friendly daily reminder that unless you understand deep state ideology, nothing that happens on the world arena will make sense. You are playing into the hands of the establishment by assuming that one party is better than another. Both parties are broken. If you had any idea who runs the world and why, well, you wouldn't identify as left or right. You would unite and rescue America from the sociopath scumbag moneylenders. We need both wings. If you use just one, you will fly around in circles. And if that isn't playing into the hands of the establishment, well, I don't know what is. Once in a while, if I haven't had enough sleep and I'm feeling a touch, you know, just a touch ornery, I encourage people to explain the reasoning behind their posted comments. For example, do you know what type of organization NATO actually is? Can you explain its purpose? Or I might say, have you read any part of the Paris Climate Agreement rubbish nonsense that it is? And if so, what do you make of it? When you're talking about Brexit and the European Union, do you know whose brainchild the European Union was? <clears throat> what about who funded World War II and all the wars since? Responses, when I get them, are less than encouraging. Commenting on carefully crafted news bites before researching them from various sources, isn't that just spreading gossip? <clears throat> so once in a while, Let's shut up and listen to each other. Who knows, we might learn something new and we might have the courage to change our view once presented with new information. That would be a thing, wouldn't it? Sip of martini to celebrate that. Oh, gosh, that's lovely, lovely. Mm. Anyway, if you'd like to have your questions included on the show, which goes out every other Wednesday unless we have... Um, issues with internet connections, send them to Arnie at ArnieAvedician.com because that's who I am. And if you prefer snail mail, send them to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 
97070, United States of America. And a reminder, my darlings, that if you leave your questions on my voicemail, they will be deleted faster than large corporations launder the money in their bank accounts offshore. So let's get on with it, darlings. Let's get on with Q&A, question and answers. That's the main part of this show. Now, this week, I thought perhaps instead of answering questions from individual listeners, I thought we'd take a look at some of the questions that come up regularly in my classes, in my spiritual salons and all of the other events. So these are questions from real people, but they're questions that keep getting asked over and over and over again. So clearly they're in the collective consciousness. So let's address that. A subject that comes up time and time again, I'm happy to say, is cloning. And the questions that are asked are somewhere along the lines of, is it true that U.S. presidents and other ranking peeps are cloned by the establishment? And if it is true, then why do they do it and when did it start? Well, I might know a thing or two about this. Not saying I do, but I might. My intel says that in recent history, this started up around the time of Roswell, give or take, with a race of extraterrestrials we call the cute little greys, the Zeta Reticulans. Now, for whatever reason, and I didn't go into details with them because it's a sensitive subject, the greys have lost the ability to reproduce naturally. You know, um, sexual reproduction, you know, in the bedroom, the Twinkie and the donut, that sort of thing. Um, they can't do that anymore. It's not, well, they can do it, but it's not doing anything. So in order to preserve their race, they became experts at cloning. And in case you didn't know, and you might not know, it is possible for a soul to enter a clone if it so wishes. Anyway, repeated cloning, it's dulled the little gray emotions. It's dulled their ability to feel and ultimately to experience proper empathy. And ultimately, as you know, understandably, as sentient beings, they want those feelings back. So our human genetic material is apparently a good match to theirs. So they came here to Earth to ask, or perhaps to inform the government of that day, that they were going to cash in pre-birth agreements made with humans. Humans were supposed to donate some of this genetic material. And in return, they, the little greys, offered to trade something with the government of our day. And our government asked for cloning technology, which the greys were brilliant at and freely gave. Now, the exact details of what happened next are still classified on both ends, human and ET. But in short, the humans did not keep their end of the bargain. They abused the greys, which pissed them off royally. Only a small handful of the greys made initial contact with the authorities. Good choice on their part. And I don't believe that that group made it out alive. But the bulk of the delegation was already on Earth, little grey boots on the field, and they decided to go ahead and fulfill their mission to collect the human biosamples with a view to enabling natural conception and birth. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, and we would have to talk a lot about alien abductions and uh, that sort of thing to put the pieces together. But I'm going to stick to the cloning. So as far as the cloning goes, can I prove it? I suspect I would be in great danger if I decided to do that. But we don't have to necessarily prove it. Uh, let me just say, start by contemplating the following. 
being a president or a high-ranking peep, it's hard work. And if you compare before and after photos, you'll see how quickly the wear and tear shows on their faces. Now, I find it remarkable that a visibly worn out president goes to, say, Camp David or, you know, in England to Chequers, and they go there for three or four days and they emerge looking 10 years younger and fresher. I would say it's almost unreal. And it's not just presidents. It's anyone the establishment wants to control. And it's not just in America or, you know, the hot spot, deep hubs of deep state, which would be D.C., London and the Vatican. It's all over the world. It is customary, apparently, to make three to five clones at the same time and place them in various locations in case they're needed in a hurry. Now, these clones, they carry the memory of the original. That's why they function so well and without detection, without getting busted. But they don't last very long. And if the cloned person is in the public spotlight long enough and is still useful to the establishment, they will keep the original alive and make new clones at various different ages. Once in a while, a clone does malfunction, 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 just like my English malfunctioned right there. And if that happens, and we've seen it, we've seen it, I won't mention any names, but we've seen it. Uh, that clone is whisked away as soon as possible and destroyed while the backup is booted up. Now, I know it all sounds weird, but if you put aside preconceived notions of what is and what isn't possible as per what we have been told by mainstream education indoctrination, I think you'll find there's a lot of evidence to examine and more research to be done. I've had some conversations with my ET friends about this, and I asked one of them, with regard to American presidents, if, after the original was destroyed, any had chosen to have their soul inhabit the clone. And one notable example they mentioned was Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was cloned, but his soul, a very pure soul, decided that it was going to enter the clone and finish what he came down to do on Earth. And I must say that man has an illuminated soul because that clone body is still active and it's really doing quite well despite its age. He's still building houses as far as I know. There's something else when I was a kid I used to think about might be cloning. I don't know if you have these folk stories here in America. I should know. I've been here long enough. But in old English folklore and old European folklore, there are stories about changeling children. It was believed that bad fairies would enter human homes in the quiet of the night, take the human child for their own and leave a fairy born child in its stead. Now, if the stories are true, and I think all myths and fables start with at least a few grains of truth. Perhaps those weren't fairies at all, but off-world beings trying to beef up a weakened gene pool. Well, there's a lot more I could tell you about cloning, brainwashing, implants, but today is not that day. I imagine eventually everything will be declassified and we can speak freely and safely and in detail about these things. But for now, let's just say it's a topic for discussion. And I encourage the discussion because it spreads awareness and builds up energy around the topic. If we don't talk about stuff, it won't become mainstream. It'll always be a conspiracy theory or woo-woo or a mental health issue. So chat, 
Down my list here, another question that comes up regularly is about reptilians. And the questions we've noted uh, that come up time and time again, do reptilians exist? Do they live on Earth? And if so, when did they get here? Do they eat humans? Ha ha ha. Do they shapeshift? Are they evil? And have you, Arnie, ever had an encounter with a reptilian? Are the Illuminati, the establishment, reptilians? Hmm. Let's tackle those questions one by one. Do reptilians exist? Yes, reptilians exist. Not all races in the cosmos are humanoid. Do they live on Earth? Some do. When did they get here? As far as I know, they came to Earth when all the other races decided it was time to populate Earth. I can't give you an exact timeline, so I'll just say in antiquity. But it was after the Lyrans landed on Earth, without permission, I might add, and brought with them the race we know today as Neanderthals. Do they eat humans, the reptilians? Hmm. I asked about this, actually asked a reptilian who thought it was quite amusing. As a rule, no. They do eat flesh, but human flesh is considered inferior and not to their taste. So rest easy on that one, my brothers and sisters. And they really apparently enjoy eating lots of fruits and vegetables. So they probably have colons in much better shape than we humans do. Do they shapeshift? Personally, I have never seen a reptilian shapeshift. Not saying it doesn't happen, I have never seen it. I've seen other types of entities shapeshift, but never a reptilian. However, I know people, people I trust, people who have seen it, and I've read accounts of reptilians shifting from human form to their original form. No, Princess Diana, God rest and illuminate her soul, reportedly witnessed this and on more than one occasion called the royal family who are, in fact, a reptilian Illuminati bloodline, lizards. Are they evil? In general, as a race, no. But theirs is a military conquest, conquer and control ideology. And that leaves little room for empathy and warm fuzzies. I do know, though, that many younger reptilians do rebel from time to time, something along the lines of our hippie movement, and they speak against constant conquest, and they ask their leaders to review their relationship with the creator and review their place in the universe and in cosmic history. So I say hurrah for those young lizards with their make peace, not war banners, chilling out to soothing new age music, smoking their reptilian reefers and being oh so cool. It takes guts to be a peacemaker in a world where strength and honor in war are prized above all things. Is there an evil faction within the reptilian empire? Yes, there is an evil faction in most civilizations, if evil is what you call the desire to create a world of slaves and masters. Something, by the way, humans should be aware of as due to our lack of awareness and our willingness to believe anything in print, that's a scenario we could be heading towards. And have I ever encountered a reptilian? Yes, I have. Quite a few, actually. Um, and I'm sorry to say that uh, because I have nothing against reptilians per se, only a couple of those encounters were positive. 
One of the better encounters was a few years ago when I was asked to perform energy work on a well-known earth intuitive, someone who can predict earthquakes and other earth events by paying attention to the sensations in their body. A biological empath. Well, the night before I was due to drive down to see her, I was reading in bed when a smooth skin reptilian, they're not all hard and scaly, just for the record, appeared at the foot of my bed, acknowledged me and opened up a snazzy laptop. And he tapped on it for a few minutes, after which he caught my gaze and proceeded to send me images of symbols with long lines of code. He floated these images in midair. It was a very fancy laptop. And he looked at me, clearly waiting for some sort of response. I communicated to him that I had no frame of reference for these images, that they meant nothing to me. And he seemed surprised and sent a new set of images and new sets of lines of code, which also meant nothing to me. And after a third attempt, he seemed somewhat peeved. He tapped a device on his chest piece and communicated with, I don't know, home base, whatever. And after that interchange, he closed his laptop and he looked at me with more than a touch of sympathy. To You know, what he was saying with his eyes was, oh, my God, I am so sorry, but it appears you are too stupid to understand this universal code. I'm an arts major. What do you want from me? After that, he teleported out instantly. And then I received immediately a very clear telepathic message in English, thank God, which said, you may proceed with your work tomorrow, but you will be directed. Do not resist the direction. We wish no harm to come to you. And surprisingly, I slept very well that night. And the next day, I drove down to the appointment. And the moment I laid my hands in this person's energy anatomy, I was quite literally supported to an off, I was transported to an off-planet space station populated by smooth-skinned reptilians, and my hands were placed in a set of gloves attached to a remote control device. I could see my human body in the screen down there in Oregon on Earth, yet my astral self was up in this space station, which was weird and cool and uncomfortable and exciting all at the same time. I was told my human hands would match the movement of my remote hands, so... Please pretend you are down there on location and proceed as you would normally, but do not touch or interfere with any of the marked colored highlights. I said I would, of course, comply, wouldn't you, um, with their directions. But I asked, may I ask, what are the colored highlights? What do they represent? And their response was, many races have placed expensive software in this individual's light body. The intelligence gathered is useful to our collective. The colored highlights mark the location of the software. Please proceed as quickly as possible so as to preserve life force in your physical body. And that's when I knew for sure they were friendly reptilians because clearly they didn't want me to die or they didn't want to be accountable for my death. So I proceeded with the session, which was a, a success because I'm brilliant at what I do. And when I shared my experience with the client, she was not in the least bit phased. She goes, yeah, that sort of thing happens all the time to me. So later that evening, as I was getting ready for bed, another smooth-skinned reptilian appeared in my bedroom and pointed a small handheld device at me. And he seemed happy with the reading. He nodded and left. And, well, I suppose it was good of them, wasn't it, to check in on me after my off-planet experience, make sure I wasn't contaminated in any way or that I hadn't contaminated them. 
The other benevolent encounter I had with a reptilian was about two decades ago. I thought I was having what I call a hard return, which which sounds rude, but actually it's just trouble getting back into body after traveling during a night sleep cycle. So I was waking up half in, half out of my body when I saw a very tall, not smooth skinned reptilian standing in my bedroom doorway. And he was taller than the door, so about eight foot or more. And he was in full combat gear and he had a weapon. And when he lifted the visor of his helmet, surprisingly, his eyes were quite warm and he had a grin on his face. And he thanked me in English, I suppose, because I understood um, for helping him. And I hope we would meet again under less stressful circumstances. But he doubted that would be possible as locating me was more than a little challenging. Not sure what he meant by that, because I am in the phone book. So I asked him, how did you know, how did you find me? And he said, by your fingerprints and with permission. Fair enough, I thought. And once I was fully back in body, I did what every sensible woman does after a long space adventure. I went to the loo. And uh, when it was time to wash my hands, I noticed that every single one of my finger pads had blisters on them. No pain, just blisters. So later that day, after work, I decided to go on a shaman time travel journey to discover what the heck I was doing out in space with this tall reptilian soldier And it seems I have the ability to find people who are trapped in lost zones, dense zones where no one in their right mind would go. And several of his unit were trapped. And as every platoon commander knows, he wants to go in with the same amount of men and come out with the same amount of men. So he wanted to get them out before the density eroded their will to live. And that seems to be a theme that comes up for me quite a lot in astral form. Wish I was as good at it IRL as I am OTOS, but uh, that was uh, another one of the benevolent encounters. As for others, I've had less than pleasant experiences um, with the darker elements of the reptilian empire. Every year, a couple of my friends and I, a shaman and a remote viewer, uh, we break into the Bilderberg meetings. We don't literally break into the Bilderberg meetings. You cannot break into Bilderberg meetings, but we try to remote view the Bilderberg meetings. Uh, Why not? Somebody has to. The longest we managed to stay in, I think, before detection was almost four minutes. And I don't know what kind of shamans they have. I mean, they're not human and they're definitely reptilian, but it's a branch of reptilians I have no interest in associating with because when they find you, they block you via a, a vibration that I can only call sheer terror. And you have no option but to back out before the level of terror has an effect on your physical body. I mean, when you're in a room with ghosts, the room goes cold. When you're in a room with demons, you go cold. But this vibration that they sent to you, it actually freezes your spinal column. I have never experienced anything like that. But we go in every year just to see what we can do because, you know, someone has to. Um, And I think another notable encounter was in a black mass. Uh, Now, I'm not talking about a bunch of college kids dabbling in the occult or bunch of clueless amateurs playing at being Satanists. This was a a full-on, almost full-on ceremony glorifying Lucifer. Now, um, what was I doing there? Well, I can assure you, my darlings, I am not in any shape or form a Luciferian, but they do exist. And the Dark Lord is enthroned in the core of the Vatican and in the hearts of those we call the establishments, those who will not co-create with source. So let's just say for now that my presence there at that time was part of a work project and not attending was not an option. And how does that fit in with reptilians? Well, a lot of them were. 
no one shapeshifted at this mass, nor did I expect them to, as I was not the only outsider present. But how, how can I put this? When your energy anatomy is too big for your physical body or your physical body and your energy anatomy are just not compatible somehow, <clears throat> an experienced energy worker can see that. And say you're not human, but you have to pretend to be human for long periods of time. Well, when you have the opportunity to be with your compadres and bask in their collective glow, that glow is hard to hide. So I do believe that certain races, such as reptilians, have been mistaken for demons and vice versa over the years. And I have seen things that froze me in my tracks. I've encountered beings that made my blood run cold. And I've seen things that have made me doubt my sanity until I sought to understand them. That's the key, I think. We all fear that which we have no frame of reference for and that which we do not understand. But one thing I can tell you, I have learned without exception... Every type of being in the universe, and probably the entire cosmos, wants to be accepted, understood, and validated, and probably cuddled a little bit. Those who worship the dark side got there through indoctrination, as did those who worship any entity in any religion. When we reclaim our minds and give our hearts to the divine, only treasure we will find. And another question that comes up a lot uh, is a variation of a sort of a variation of is our ascension, personal, collective and planetary, a foregone conclusion? Can the dark ones control and prevent that? Well, they've done their darndest, of course, to control and prevent and thus far have been quite successful, but slow as it seems. And it is slow. The illusion is cracking. Look, how much they control us is up to how much of our own minds we control and where we set our hearts. Who are the first people to be imprisoned and executed during a coup or a revolution? It's the intellectuals, isn't it? It's the free thinkers, those who stand for the sovereignty of the soul. If you own your mind and give your heart to the light, no one can convince you that black is white or that McDonald's fries are safe to eat. If our hearts are aligned with source and beat with love for co-creating glorious cosmic adventures, no one can stop the light flooding into our realm and illuminating our lives. So that's why today's schoolroom education is about as useful as a roast pig at a Seder dinner. You know, as the saying goes, the establishment doesn't want to give you the education that will enable you to overthrow it. They don't want a nation of critical free thinkers focused on the expansion of consciousness and the betterment of mankind. They want meat-covered automatons to do their bidding. If we want to end dark control, we have to start by letting the light flood into our own being and not let anyone marginalize us for being curious. Ask questions. Question everything. Ask people to explain their thought process to you. Ask them what research they did. How did they come by their conclusions? Share knowledge. Make America think again. I've been talking about the establishment in its varied and myriad form for decades, and it hasn't gone well for me personally to be the agitator outside the box of comfortable conformity. But I stuck with it. And lo and behold, I see that people like me, and there are many, thank God, we have made a difference today because People are connecting the dots. 
Suddenly all those things that were hidden in plain view, like pedophilia within the Vatican, within the royal families, within the economic elite, also known as the sociopath scumbags, and all those who are blackmailed by them. People are questioning that, and people are questioning the true purpose behind the seemingly altruistic globalist agenda, a plan to destroy ethnicity and culture, to destroy national sovereignty in favor of this homogenized, sanitized, dehumanized society of sterile, docile, obedient zombies. Is that the future we want to create for our progeny? Is that our legacy, slaves and masters? No, of course it's not. So no, nothing is a foregone conclusion. So let's get out there and get busy with the business of cosmic co-creation. You know? And oh, one other little quick question that comes up a lot. If we die on Earth, are we allowed to reincarnate on another planet? Yes, you are. Go for it. There's nothing really stopping you, but it's not the location. It's the vibrational frequency. You're not going to go somewhere that's too low to match your vibrational frequency, and you're not going to go somewhere that's too high. So again, it's the density, the vibrational frequency. There's no reason why you can't go to another planet. It doesn't happen a lot, though, even though it can. It doesn't happen because we're so... um wrapped up in going down and uh, rewriting our gameplay and trying to do better. And we tend to enjoy doing that with our soul group and people that we enjoy reincarnating together and playing different roles. But yeah, it can happen. It doesn't often, but it can. So anyway, well, those were quite heavy questions, I think. And I'm I'm glad for that because interesting people show up and ask interesting questions. It means they are thinking. So shall we lighten up a little bit? I think perhaps we will. Maybe it's time for a little pat of poetry. But before that, it's very hot in here. I need a drink. Excuse me. Oh, and that is quite lovely. All right. It's time for a little pat of poetry. Yes, folks. After a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than to come home, put my feet up, have a nice cup of tea or a small drinky poo, and write really bad, non-peer-reviewed poetry. Why have Shakespeare and literary prowess when you can have cosmic arny and a whole lot less? I have two offerings for you today. The first one is an apology from the Little Greys with regard to their dealings with the Changeling children. Yes, my darlings, it's more poems about ETs. Be careful what you ask for. And this one is titled The Fable of the Changeling's Cradle. Thank you very much. You know the old story of the changeling children, the one where the fairies were branded as villains? Well, to be honest, we engendered that impression. So apologies to the fairies, as it gave them all severe depression. It was we, the little greys, and it's time for our confession. The truth must be told, no more media suppression. We took your fat human babies and replaced them with clones. That's why they died young and had such weak bones. Looking back now at how we hunted our quarry, it was wrong and immoral, and we are ever so sorry. Well, after all those years, I think it's good of them to come forward and offer an apology for their misguided actions. Naughty little greys, tut tut but I'm sure your apology is accepted. And in keeping with our ET theme, here's another one. 
This one is about reptilians, and I call this one Reptilian Renaissance. Thank you very much. Not all reptilians are evil and cold. The current generation doesn't quite fit that mould. While it's true as a species they value their might, some younger lizards do not want to fight. They prefer to hang out and take hits off their bong, to strum on guitars and compose cool folk songs. They are branded as dropouts and a curse on their nation for refusing to join in off-world domination. Some will stay strong and some fall faint-hearted. Their road is a long one, but the movement has started. So hooray for the hippie reptilians. Make love, not war. Well, there we have it. Another pat of poetry, making the world a better place, one rhyme at a time. All right, this might be a good time to mention that, in addition to the Metaphysical Martini Show, streaming live on planet Earth and available on demand at no cost to all spaceships currently in orbit, I also have the pleasure of co-hosting the Say What Show with Nancy Hopkins and Dolly Howard right here on Cosmic Reality Radio on the second Saturday of each month. In addition, I have my own channel, several of them actually, on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, pop my name, Ani Abedisian, in the search bar and tune into Water Wisdom, Cosmic Quickies, Zook the Little Pink Alien and really bad but occasionally brilliant poetry from a mad suburban shaman. And of course, an annual holiday tradition, my deconstructed Christmas carols. My videos are short, they're sweet and they are full of buttery goodness and I would love to see some of them go viral. So please, if you enjoy them. If they bring even a modicum of meaning to your sad, sorry little lives, please like, share, subscribe, and you will have my eternal gratitude. If you live in the Greater Portland or Salem area in Oregon, my office is located in Wilsonville, Oregon, home of absolutely nothing, really. It's just a little city, but I'm there. And if you'd like to know what I'm up to, I know I would. Visit my website, arniavidician.com, for an up-to-date list of all my classes, events, and, of course, services. And you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, Monday Messages for the Open-Minded, but be warned, if you're not open-minded, you will not enjoy them, so do not sign up for them. All right, what's next? I know, let's do... <gasps> Tarot a go-go! A little shenanigana with the major arcana. On our last show, we featured number eight, Fortitude. So that means that this week, and as always using the Rider Weight deck, because it is the most commonly used, if not the prettiest deck, we feature number nine, the Hermit. So get your cards out and let's take a good look at this chap, shall we? What have we got here? Well, we've got an older man wearing simple robes, a staff in one hand and a lantern in the other, the proverbial wise man wandering the earth looking for another wise man. Well, he doesn't look like much of a party animal, is he? So um, he's a teacher, a mentor, a monk, a priest, or, or an actual hermit. Some sort of guru, although I doubt he would see himself that way. There is humility here. Now, when I look at this card, I hear the phrase searching within. Because this tells me I need to meditate. I need soulful contemplation, realignment with source, reflection. 
discretion, self-examination. I look at the hermit and I want to ponder the imponderable. I want to dive into deep spiritual waters and I wonder, should I go on a vision quest? I want to contemplate life's mysteries in silence, withdrawing from the noise of humanity to make space within the innermost part of me. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to sit with you again. And together, within the sound of silence, we will find the light, we shall find the way, through peace, through patience, and through tolerance. As with all cards, the meaning depends on the question, the spread, its placement within the deck, and all the other cards in the story, blah, blah, blah. But if you pick this card randomly as a one-off, chances are you might be stuck and you need time out to think. Perhaps you need professional counselling or just to seek counsel from a trusted friend or mentor, family member. Perhaps you are stressed out and need to reevaluate your daily habits, examine your workload to rethink your work day. Because work stress, which is pretty much epidemic proportions in first world countries, is often a misaligned relationship with time. Whatever the issue, the answer you seek will be heard in the quiet moments. If you random pick this card reversed, well, you might be taking being a hermit a little too far. There is such a thing as too much isolation. And on some level, we all need human contact, a connection with another warm human heart. It could be that you like having things your own way, doing things your own way and no other way. Beware of that. Be careful not to shut people out and have them turn away from you. There's more more than one way to peel a pomegranate. And if people perceive you to be stubborn and arrogant and unwilling to be a team player, you will be very lonely indeed. And while you may think you would prefer life that way, it rarely works out well. We need contact. We need cooperation. If we don't allow that... More often than not, our mental health suffers. So don't let pride take you on a one-way ride. Number nine, the hermit, leaving the false ego behind in search of the light within. You know, I've been using the tarot since I was 11, and it's not a way to tell the future. No one knows what the future is going to be, but it It's a point of focus. You look at the cards, you learn creative visualization. And when you open a spread to see what's what, you don't open a spread to see what's going to happen. You open a spread to have a look at the current pool of potential. It's a snapshot of potential. And if you open your cards every day, if you're into the cards as a meditation, you see what themes are going into your life and leaving your life, what stays, what goes It's just a point of focus, like runes or anything else. I just happen to think that the picture aspect of it, it allows us to expand our creative visualization. And the more we use our imagination, well, we are co-creators after all. We do build the universe one thought at a time. So let's not dumb down. Let's expand out. I love my cards. All right, so that was number nine of the hermit. We'll let him go off with this little light and look for honest people. Back here in the real world, it's time for a new segment called Points to Ponder. 
How to tell if you are moving from maligned to aligned. Life changes when our perception shifts, doesn't it? When our eyes are open, well, when the illusion is shattered, we see the world from a higher vantage point. Our social circle changes. We find we are no longer lonely enough to put up with people who complain 24-7, people who gossip about others and repeat everything they hear on telly like a bunch of tweaked out parrots on crack. Now, the path to alignment can be lonely at first. We withdraw for a while and we seek higher guidance from the light within, just like the hermit. But then universal law kicks in and we find ourselves in the company of like-minded people. Life changes subtly at first, maybe one big aha moment, followed by a series of mm-hmm moments. And before we know it, we've leveled up. We are playing the game of life at a whole new level, a higher, more exciting, dynamic level. So here are five points to ponder. How you can tell when you're moving from mortal maligned to divine aligned. Number one. Comedy isn't as funny as it used to be. Comedians don't seem to be as clever as they once were. The material is mean-spirited, downright rude and often crude, aimed at low intellect, designed for cheap laughs. You are ashamed to think that you once found this amusing, but after a little prayerful contemplation, you decide instead to honour yourself for having moved your mind out of density and into the light. Point of point to ponder number two. You don't believe anything you read in the papers or watch on the news, mainstream or otherwise. You have reclaimed your mind from mass social conditioning and realized that the news is little more than propaganda. He who pays the bills writes the stories and flavors them as it suits. However, you still need to keep informed, don't you? So what do you do? In addition to the American media, you start reading papers from other parts of the world. You engage in research and decide to follow the money and find the agenda. Number three, you find yourself showing up to your local city council meetings and actually enjoying it because you have realized that the Koch brothers and their ilk bought local officials long before moving on to buying out state officials and federal officials. A lack of awareness and interest and action at grassroots levels is how we lost America to the establishment. It's a big portion of it. Point to ponder number four. Pop four. From time to time, you are lost in existential crisis. But instead of giving in to depression, anxiety and unwarranted stress, you find yourself quite happy with not knowing the answers to who am I, man? Where did I come from? What am I doing here? And why does sweet potato pie have so many calories? Life is now a cosmic space adventure. You tell yourself, ah, it's okay. I'll figure it out as I go along. Point to ponder number five. The sight and smell of fast food turns your stomach. You are no longer able to digest the toxic pig trough of chemicals that passes for convenience food. Your body is now a temple. It needs clean food. You buy an Instapot and learn to prep in advance. And that's it for this week's Points to Ponder. 
Next week, our Plato chips are a resident philosopher. He'll be back. And meanwhile, he just wants to remind us to be mindful of the fact that if we wish to change the world, it starts with a change deep within ourselves. Otherwise, it's not change. It's just you telling other people what to do while actively not doing it yourself. And how clever is that? Not very. Mm. And that was a direct translation, by the way, uh, from the Greek. So, you know, uh, there you are. All right, my darlings, where are we now? I think we have time for another segment, which is awesome. And right now we have time for Explore Your Intuitive Core. Da-da-da-da, da-da. Because we are all manifestations of source energy and as such, multidimensional communication is our birthright. Yet somehow, being psychic, a.k.a. intuitive, is still considered paranormal and woo-woo and out there. What a load of rubbish that is. We were created from the same wavelength as Source Creator. It is that wavelength that is our common bond. Some call it the vibration of unconditional love, and I'm more than happy with that. That wavelength is the only part of us that is real. In shaman metaphysics, reality is that which never dies. That will be our soul essence. Everything else is a temporary experience. Ergo, our intuition is always there. We just have to remember it and we just have to retrain the pathways we use as humans to trust in it. And to do that, we have to be willing to embrace change. If we want to illuminate our intuition, we need to redefine the way we see ourselves. We need to move away from I am mortal and therefore mayhem will follow to I am spirit, my mortal will follow my spirit's guidance, and magnificence will follow. And there are many ways to do that, and we will explore many of them together in the months to come. But for today, I want to share a short poem with you about change, because I know firsthand what it is to be human. And change does not come easy on this realm. Our minds tell us we need to change, and okay, we accept that. But then we have to put those changes into actions. And then comes the resistance, that whole insidious field of self-sabotage, because those new actions are unfamiliar to us. But we know we have to stick to it, because it takes a while to reprogram the mind to accept and carry out new actions. It's not easy. But with a little persistence, diligence and focus, it is most certainly manageable if we approach the process with affection for self, not anger, because that is the key. So the little poem I want to share with you is by Portia Nelson, who is the author of a wonderful book I suggest you all go out and get from your library or buy called There's a Hole in My Sidewalk. <laughs> Verse one. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Take two. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. 
I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It takes a long time to get out. Take three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Take four. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Take five. I walk down another street. <laughs> you see what she's trying to get at there? You know, it's not easy. We're all indoctrinated, programmed, and we're all afraid, and blah, 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 blah. The fact is that if we want to change the world, we have to change ourselves. And that just says a little bit about self-love, doesn't it? Just embrace yourself. When you're trying to change behavioral patterns, like me trying not to eat donuts when I'm clearly overweight, you, you've got to have a little self-examination, and you do that with love and with affection, and you say to yourself, look, I just want to be a better version of myself. And I'm a grown up. Let me take a few deep breaths and say, it may not be easy. I may fall off the donut wagon many times, but I will get back on. And eventually I will get to step five where I literally walk past the donut shop. End of story. End of problem. And as we change our behaviors, we find that everything about us changes, too. We perceive things differently. Yes, I mean, given, but our sight is different. We see things we never saw before. Our sense of smell is different. We notice aromas we never noticed before. Our hearing is different. We hear things we never heard before. The sweet little trill of a little tiny bird while you're rushing off to work. He's been there all the time, but you didn't have the time to listen to it. And taste you bite into good food, clean food, not fast food. And wow, it has flavor. And as we breathe and meditate and just generally do a little bit better every day with trying to clean up our energy anatomy and our physical anatomy, our sense of touch is different also. We're not afraid to touch anymore. And a greater sense of intimacy comes into our life. Intimacy into me see. When we allow the divine into our heart, everything shifts into the light. Well, my darlings, I think we've done it or close to. We've used up a whole hour of linear time, an hour we will never get back. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Today's real-life martini, which was delicious, was carefully crafted by yours truly using Recipe 14 Cascade Potato Vodka, made in Sisters, Oregon. Now, I admit, I wasn't expecting much for 21 bucks and change, but I'll be darned, this is the best low-price vodka I've come across in a long time, and it can be drunk neat. And that's unusual for low-price vodkas. It's smooth, and it has no burn. And just a hint of vanilla, I think, or it could have been the ice cream I had before the show. I'm not sure. But either way, well done, Cascade Street. 
you folks, boy, um, lovely vodka, and I'll definitely be buying your products again. And a little public message here for my darlings. Folks, a reminder that cocktails are great and best when they are an occasional treat. If you use high-quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abedisian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.